I'm back. Welcome to Debatable. I'm Dominique Fox. If there's David Dennis, I was gone. I know everyone missed me. I'm sure you guys did lots of sad, tearful tribute episodes and had a running countdown of the minutes till I would return to this great broadcast. Right, David? Absolutely. I don't even, um, we didn't talk sports. We just talked about favorite Dominique moments. Um, you know, best goatee looks uh, of, <laughs> of, we ranked the top 12 goatee looks of Dominique on the show. Um, there was a uh, tribute to V-neck, deep V-neck moments. Um, there was that. Uh, I think Wednesday's show was uh, Titus uh, Arm on the shirt. I oh, think gosh. was, was now, that one. Now, so Now we've gone into mockery. I believe you for a second. Now, <laughs> now I'm just being made fun of. I don't need you for that. I have alabaster for that. Never, never. So, right. I mean, you you did miss it. We did a ranking of top players unions, most despicable monopsonies. Oh, it was a full. Oh, <laughs> man. Goodness. Full gracious. Fox were special. Make should we should we get started with today's show, though? Please, please do. All right. How much better does Chris Paul make the Warriors? Hmm. You're biased. Look at there, there was no no deal that the Warriors could have done that you wouldn't have been like, oh, they got so much better. So is it that they got better because they added Chris Paul or they got better because they sent Jordan Poole to come hang with me in D.C.? All of the above, my friend, <laughs> all of the above. First of all, yeah, I talk, I was a little nervous at first. All it took was like 15 minutes, a little bit of bullet bourbon, and I talked myself into it, baby. <laughs> we are good to go. I am all in on this move for the Warriors. I don't know if I want to start with the Chris Paulness of it or the Jordan Poole of it. You know, choose your own adventure. Let's start with CP. Here's the thing that I think that CP will do uh, for this Warriors team that'll, that'll really help. I think one of the big issues that they've had, especially post-KD, is that Steph Curry's on-off minutes have been a disaster for the Warriors. When he's not on the court, they are, you know, they can't hold together. And a lot of that falls at the feet of Jordan Poole and the fact that he can't sort of run this offense without um, Curry playing. The thing that Chris Paul does is, like, if you get 20 minutes of OKC-ish Chris Paul coming in in that second quarter, coming in to start that fourth quarter, and he sort of, you know, stabilizes the offense, reduces turnovers, I think that he can actually be really beneficial for Kuminga and Moody out there in that lineup because he really sort of blended well with young players. He did that with Phoenix a little bit. And if you can even be neutral, non-negative in those non-Steph Curry minutes, because when, when he's on the court, obviously the plus minus is through the roof. So if you can be stable during that time, that's a huge thing for the, for the Warriors. And I think he will. Now, okay. the other part of Chris Paul that I'm that I'm I'm buying here is that the clutch moments. Chris Paul is still one of the best clutch players in the league, and it diversifies your closing lineup. Obviously, the Warriors go that starting lineup: Curry, Clay, yeah, Wiggins, yeah. Draymond, Looney to close games. But if Looney somehow can't play or there's foul trouble, I think Chris Paul they lose some defensively. But he is one of the clutch players in the league. They can close out games a lot better with Chris Paul. I'm talking myself into this baby. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I guess I have warmed up on it a little bit, but I'm still not at the point that I think it makes them that much better. I, I think Chris Paul healthy. Like you took us back to OKC, Chris Paul. That's a number of teams ago and a number of years ago. 
So yes. if we can okay. get OKC Chris Paul, yeah, that'd be nice. But that was not a deep playoff run, Chris Paul. We have not seen him stay healthy deep into the playoffs in I don't know how long. And that's just if he's out there. I'm not sure that if he is out there and he's healthy, how much better he makes this team. When this offense is at its best, when this team is at its best, it is when they are doing that motion offense. When Chris Paul is at his best, I know we saw him in Houston play off of James Harden, but it was still kind of a stagnant system. Chris Paul in control is when you want Chris Paul out there. So all that being said, he doesn't fit into the offense that that they really run right now. And when they do go kind of high pick and roll, why the hell would they have Chris Paul doing it when you have Steph Curry there to do it also? So maybe he gives Steph Curry some relief when he's healthy. But the big problem is he ain't going to help them on defense. Right now, there was one person on defense who they tend to try to hide, and they don't even have to anymore, and that's Steph Curry. So now Steph Curry, if they're all going to be on the floor in closing minutes, Steph Curry bumps down a little bit to having to take on a more serious defensive assignment. And Chris Paul at his best is ball in his hands. What the hell is Draymond going to do? Are they going to pay Draymond and then bring him out there in those closing minutes to just be, uh, I don't know, catch and shoot guy? That ain't his job. So I guess if you are imagining that Chris Paul will be a piece, not core to what they are doing, like there will be several games in the row in the playoffs where Chris Paul is not on the floor in closing time, then all right, Chris Paul on the bench don't hurt to have that option. But I don't know how much better it makes this team. Maybe it's possible that it gives them another option that they might need at some point in the playoffs if he's healthy. But I think the name is much bigger than what he actually brings to this. And Chris Paul is probably the best true point guard that we've had in this league ever. So that is a really big name. But he ain't that guy no more, guys. He ain't that guy. Points were made. Counterpoints <laughs> shall be made. Here's the thing. We're going to start the, We're going to start close to the beginning. I don't think you need – Chris Paul was playing heavy minutes at OKC. You know, you need 20 good yeah. – 20 decent Chris Paul minutes. Like, I think if you – I mean, some of these injuries are fluke injuries. A lot of these injuries are wear and tear injuries, as we know. He doesn't last in the playoffs. But if you can get his minutes, 20, 25 minutes a game, Chris Paul has never really had – that light of a, of a minute's load. So there's that. You can get 20 good minutes out of him. You're fine. Um, defensively, obviously, Chris Paul's not anything defensively, especially as he used to be, but he's not. He's better than Jordan Poole. If you can win a championship with Jordan Poole out yeah. there on the court yeah. and his defensive, um, you know, inefficiencies, uh, ineffectiveness, you can win a championship with Chris Paul and his defense. Like they're yeah. is not as bad as Jordan Poole defensively, right? He's, so yeah. yeah. I mean, so I so yeah. So I mean, I think that yeah. all of like I don't you're the Warriors are not going to be leaning right. on Chris Paul to win this championship. He's just going to be sort of a like it reminds me of the Jason Kidd Dallas Mavericks 2011. Like you have a guy to just make some threes and just like Jason Kidd. Chris Paul's a very adaptable player. He's one of the better adaptable players throughout his career. He learned how to be ball right. dominant. He's smart. He learned he's how a, to play with James Harden. Smart he's a player. basketball and, genius. That's not a bad person to have on the team. And I think the biggest value is the one that you brought out is he is going to bring that coaching element to those young guys that they need to develop. If those young guys even stay around, because they might need to move them out too. Because as you know, I've said many times, I think it's almost impossible to build for the future in build for now. Those young guys need to contribute or they need to send them packing. Otherwise you're squandering what's left of Steph Curry's window. So I hate that I have to be on the other side of this, but I can't be the homer that you are. Like, I want to root for Chris Paul, but I can't allow this to go 
on and on where you talk about your college homeboy and how his team, no matter what, it's going to be good. I have to present the other side. So I'm rooting for Chris Paul. And I do think his intelligence is something that can't be matched. He knows as much about basketball as anyone in the NBA right now, including all the coaches. So there will be in-game situations that Chris Paul, they don't need to call timeouts. They'll He'll fix them on the fly in the way that all those guys, they just know so much. They've been around so much. So I do think there's a value there. I don't know if it's enough to make up for the deficiencies that he has at this point in his career, but he's going to be intense. If you need somebody punching some nuts, oh, you got Chris Paul when it's time to punch nuts. When it is nut punching time, not crunching, nut punching time. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. CP3 <laughs> will be there right next to Draymond Green, who I believe he he was nut kicking, right? Any kick LeBron. That was a, a there was nut, a there was an arm fling. Was there was arm, a yeah that's right it was arm a slap. fling but there was a lot of there was a lot of kicking in the OKC series <sighs> allegations allegations of of uh, of intentional kicking and arm flailing that you know we have to we have to work on then, then uh, there's the psychological edge you can't go in the court you got two guys who are swinging and kicking <laughs> yeah, at the from... scrotes and you're just gonna be in your <laughs> head like so that is an important part of the game too that is how you get the that's right here high IQ. <laughs> High IQ, a lot of scrotes that you're worried about. That's worth like five or ten games in the regular season just by itself. Uh, yeah, that is that is going to be hard to game plan for. When you're going up against the Warriors, like, man, Chris Paul, that pick and roll. Steph Curry, you got to guard him anywhere. And don't worry, you also got to be concerned. Scrote punching. We got two scrote punches. You go into the lane and you're on the perimeter. You got to keep one hand on the ball and one hand on the balls. I, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, on t- I'm on top of my on my yeah. uh, in, in tribute to to um Pablo Torre. F- rest in peace, Pablo. We still making jokes. Sorry, for a little bit for for my homie. We're gonna talk about Jordan Poole and how much he's how bad he is. No, let's let's talk about how positive. Like I I felt like I was always the one who was speaking with general. Uh, being reasonable about Jordan Poole when we were all it felt like everyone was like high on Jordan Poole. So I don't think we need to bash Jordan Poole now. He free. That man got all the money he going to need. He got a ring and he got a roster with nobody to tell him he can't shoot. And he is in Chocolate City. Jordan Poole is in heaven. This man won the trade. He won the trade. We are. We are. Else, he won the trade. We are looking at a generational hookah lounge <laughs> all-star in D.C. Like, we are looking at oh, a run. Man. Like, they, this is going to be – like, you know how we had the uh, the, the Wimby and Jim oh, Duncan? I just got it. I just got it. His last name is Poole, and he liked to have day parties. He going to be on all the flyers. Jordan Poole day party is going – no, that didn't work. But you know what I'm talking about. We can make – we, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll sort it out when it gets yes. here. Holler at me, Joe. We're going to get all the money. Brunch is Poole. on fire. I think it was either W.B. Du Bois or Kendrick Lamar who said, pool full of liquor and you dive in. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we're going to have. I'm, I'm pretty – yeah, it was Langston Hughes. But nah, anyway, so nah, I think it was Ro- Paul, Paul Robeson, I believe. It's Paul Robeson. Yeah, I think that was, that was yeah. yeah, that was that was that's what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> so we're we're looking at a hookah lounge all star, and I think the way that you had Wimby and the Spurs like taking the photo uh, together, you really should have like Jordan Poole and like Gilbert all, Arenas. You got to get Gilbert Arenas and John Wall oh. just at a at a at a hookah lounge. Would just like hugged up. What did Wimby's his um caption was like learning from the best or something like that? Big, yeah. 
You just need the, oh, the, the sparkler God. ladies in the oh. background doing the sparkler things and just being like, yeah, yep, learning from oh. the, learning from the pros. Uh, it seems like I got some photoshopping to do tonight because I am, like it. I'm cooking up that flyer. We're going to make so much money. All the young ladies are going to be there trying to see what's popping with the pool party. Oh, it's about to. Oh, my goodness. It is about to be on. I think uh, I think Zion Williams is about to. We're passing the torch. So I think um, I do want to make uh, bash Jordan Poole. Not bash, but, you know, note some of the Jordan Poole issues. There was a, a fascinating Reddit thread. The Red Knight posted all like some of the in, most incredible stats about Jordan Poole. I would like to read just a couple of them to show Uh-oh. you how he torpedoed a lot of the Warriors season. So he was a negative seven on off court, right? Which mm-hmm. was out of 245 qualified players, he was 230th. Nice job, Jordan. Nice job. We got to get in that and high so, percentile, that low percentile. Yeah, fifth in the NBA in lost ball turnovers, right? And he was also, this is, um, he had 89 turnovers in the second quarter this season, which is basically when he was dominating the ball, which is. Um, I got to say favorite- that. I appreciate how you are revolutioning, revolutionizing entertainment with this segment that you like to call reading off the internet. This is I am reading off the internet. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is great. I just Watch want out. all of this. All, okay, here, here's one more. One more. Last one minute of the game, but he was minus five points. He uh, shot 30, 0, and 80 during that time. So you want to talk about addition by subtraction? Having Chris Paul in this instead of Jordan Poole, it's worth a whole bunch, fellas. Yeah, so I mean, I, I do think that that was the biggest thing is to move him out of there because you're you're doing all these stat stuff, which I'm messing with you. That's that's useful stuff to put out there. However, you're not doing the interpersonal stuff that we all acknowledge, and even that team started to say we can't work together. They hinted around it like this. They said the punch impacted the season, and after the season was over. Um, Steve Kerr made it clear whose side he was on because he was like, we can't win no championships without Draymond Green, which made it clear to all of us. Jordan Poole going to have to go, and he was gone. Jordan Poole once took a shot so bad that it got Stephen Curry ejected from a basketball game. <laughs> Stephen Curry is so even killed. He just wanted shimmy. He just wanted shimmy and That's chew on his mouthpiece. That's just what... That's it. Just shoot shimmy and chew on his mouthpiece. Um, all right, Alabaster, you got an interjection? I was just wondering what his flyer was going to look like when he plays for the Guangdong Southern Tigers in China oh, in four years. I don't know what the what the nightlife is, is like in Guangdong. I mean, I've been a few places. I ain't never been to China, but I, I don't gonna, got he, Jordan Poole being comfortable with the nightlife over there. I don't know. He gonna find it. He gonna, he gonna <laughs> test that. He gonna test that limit, baby. <laughs> Those ain't limits you want to test, man. I don't, <laughs> well, I don't know much, they got, but they got they got hookah. They got henny. Jordan Poole is going to be. <laughs> All world. <laughs> oh man, that was a hell of a way to return. I've been looking forward to talking about that. So give me that check. What's next? Hopefully, it's more interesting than Jordan Poole day parties. Well, it's sort of related, honestly. It's more about the Wizards' teardown. Uh, does the Porzingis oh. trade change how you view the Celtics as title contenders? Absolutely, it, it does to me. I think. So again, let's start with uh, with smart because it makes me think about the like mental and emotional aspect of this team. And I follow this team as much as anyone who is not a fan of the team because we see them so much since uh, mm-hmm. it seemed like since Jason Tatum was there, they've been competitive the entire time. 
So while I am not a Celtics fan, I know so much about what uh, smart means to this team emotionally. And it ain't been enough. Unfortunately, whatever it is that he was doing, whatever voice he was providing for them, it's been great. He, uh, apparently, he was part of the turnaround that they had a couple of years ago, the midseason turnaround where they went from one of the worst teams to the best teams. And he's always on the floor playing hard. He hits, he takes a lot of big shots and he hits more than people suspect because every time he takes one, we all like, no. And sometimes they go in. And that's, that's a personality trait that it's nice to have. But it's nice to have when you have young guys who are super talented, but not ready to grab the steering wheel. I think what this expresses to me, before we even get to all the value that Przingis can offer, this expresses to me that they are expecting something more from Jason Tatum as far as leadership is concerned. Like, you've been around. We're done with this kid stuff. You're no longer a rookie. You're no longer a young guy. This is your team. Whatever emotional drive they need, it's going to have to come from him. Yeah, I, I was struck by this move because it told me that this team, the management thinks that this team is way further from a championship than a lot than I thought they were. You really? know, like for them to make a move that sort of like this feels like you come out of this season, you go to game seven, the conference finals, the conference finals you should have won. You're going to you your game away probably, you know, from going to another finals. You're knocking on the door of a championship and it feels like you make marginal moves when you do that. Right. And um, the original Brogdon trade felt like a marginal sort of move, you know, that you kind of tinker around, but this feels like a big move. This feels like a big, we need to do something to win. And it changes a lot of that team. Like you said, the chemistry stuff, but just how the team is made and how the team gets coached. Missoula was not really into having bigs on the court. And now yeah. you're forcing him to do that. And you still don't have a point guard. Well, and like you said, you are leaning into um, the Tatum Brown situation in a way that, you know, is, is a little different than what you had before. So to me, it says we need to make actual big changes to a team that most teams, when they go to game seven, the conference finals, you don't necessarily feel like you yeah, need to have I mean, big changes to it. It feels like you're suggesting that it's a bit of a, not panic, but like a bit of an admission that they weren't close yeah. enough. Yeah. I would agree with you if it weren't for the fact that I think they also won the trade. <laughs> like they yeah. it, it was like a good trade they got draft picks and they got all types of stuff it felt like marcus smart or yeah who did they even send i oh it was a three-teamer right 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 hold yeah. up i i'm way behind alabaster can you run through the, the exact trade to me so i know exactly what um they got they traded marcus smart and got chris Tapps porzingis and two first round picks exactly like that to me is something you can't pass up on is the two first round picks. I think smart for Przingis might've been a good deal. And mm -hmm. I'm one of the few people who, since I live in DC have actually watched Porzingis. And like you, a lot of people I think are coming around and looking at his stats and realizing, Oh yeah, he was pretty good last year. Like, no, I watched him play. It wasn't just like counting stats. He was an effective offensive player. And I think what the, uh, you said Missoula didn't want to play a lot of bigs. I don't think that was a choice. I think he was forced not to play a lot of bigs because they had a lot of perimeter players and their bigs were Horford and Robert Williams, who can't stay healthy. And Al Horford, who was in, I think he was in Michael Jordan's draft. He was in the 84 draft, right? <laughs> Who's been around forever. So I think that this lineup or Przingis is a piece that helps them a lot more, especially when you look at who they're going to be facing going forward. So like if, 
Porzingis, great rim protector, which he we don't talk about very much. Also, mm-hmm. a stretch five that can shoot. So Robert Williams, the anchor of their defense, can't stay healthy. You add in a new rim protector. Uh, Al Horford, the biggest value of Al Horford was like occasionally he give you some crafty defense, but the biggest value was he can stretch the floor because he can shoot. You just got both of those players in one, and he has injury issues also, but it seems like what you what the the decision that Missoula was often having to make was like, man, should I put hobbled Robert Williams out there to improve our defense, or should I put Al Horford out there to improve our offense and stretch the floor? You just got one guy that doesn't that doesn't both as well as both of those guys. So like, I think that was a it wasn't a desperation kind of emission trade as much as it was like, damn, we we have a chance to actually get a lot better. I don't, you know, I'm not as high as Porzingis as, as as you are, and a lot of folks are. Like that, that's the thing that worries me. I mean, I, to, to go back to the Missoula thing, you know, there there was criticism about him not putting the Horford Time Lord sort of lineup in there in the Heat earlier. Uh, sort of what I, what I was referring to, but and, and but I, yeah, I agree. Like I think Porzingis can stretch the floor. Him and Time Lord out there defensively together can like make it really impossible to score in the paint, but. My hesitation with Porzingis is the one you mentioned is the health situation. Like we just talked about Jordan Poole having like an incredible sort of season for that Warriors and they won a championship. And then we saw him regress to the mean Porzingis had this really good season that, yeah, he was meaningful for a team, but it was also meaningless minutes and meaningless games for the entirety of that. I watched Porzingis play playoff basketball with Dallas and he could not stay on the court during the, the, that the playoff time with Dallas. That wasn't Porzingis fault. That was a, a Dallas Luca problem to me because it's not as if Porzingis was bad and then suddenly had a good year in Washington. Like when Porzingis was a rookie in New York, we were like, damn, this guy could be one of those unicorn type players. Then he had some injuries. Then the trade to Dallas we thought was going to work out, but they didn't get along. And that was an issue. I think maybe he's not as, as good as he was for Washington this year, but they don't need him to be. And I also think he helps a little bit with the Jason Tatum goes cold problem, because right now when Jason Tatum, who like relies on a step, like his go through go to move and and crutch and crutch and clutch minutes is a step back three. When that's not hidden, they give it to Jalen Brown and they're like, all right, Jalen, drive even dribble. though you can't dribble. Yeah. But now they have Porzingis who actually you you can high screen and roll with him, but you can also just give him the ball. And he can make things happen. So I just, it really makes them a lot better to me. Not just like with post moves, but he can take people, he can take centers off the dribble. Like I really like Porzingis here in part because in Dallas, he was supposed to be the two to Luca, and Luca didn't want him as a two. He don't have to be the two here. He, gonna, he can be the two sometimes. He can be the three sometimes. Not two or three position wise, but two or three on the like, uh, the hierarchy of offensive importance so like i i really like this i don't know how you can knock this i mean health yeah so yeah that's the I thing. Mean, health health the contract you know all of that stuff sort of sort of worries me the the fact that you know i, I just i just do not see porzingis as that sort of boon to get you over the hump for a championship and the concern is the intangibles of the market smart thing like that is a big trade to have moved um for this team that lost a coach right they lost Marcus Smart. They've lose. They're losing this leadership, and Porzingis is definitely not a leader. I'm just, yeah. 
I'm concerned. I mean, that's 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 a that's where Jalen and Jason are going to have to step up, and mostly um, Jason Tatum is going to have to step up, be the best player on the team, and be outspoken. We haven't seen very many teams. Uh, I guess with last year, the Nuggets is a team that has their very best player is not like the vocal leader, but he mm-hmm. is so talented and leads by example. But it always kind of seems like you need that best guy to set that tone. And there's a chance that you could even argue that. I agree that individually, Al Horford, Robert Williams, and Porzingis all put together have lots of injury concerns. But if you can play them all, that takes more Mm. of the pressure off of any of them, and it gives you some protection for all of them. So I really like this as a trade, and I guess the only thing that I I feel like I haven't effectively rebutted is the whatever the mentality that he brings to the team, the Mm. personality that he brings to the team. That wasn't enough, man. Like, what, what? So, what have we been saying about this team? Did they get knocked out of playoffs the last two seasons because they weren't talented enough? Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the talent. It was. It. It was the this whole season, this whole postseason. Every round, I I heard people, and I was on here defending them, saying it's stupid to say that professionals quit or call these professionals soft. Like I was here saying that it wasn't true, but it seemed like a lot of people were saying so. What was he bringing? If last year, he, the, he the criticism Porzingis was he, ain't gonna bring saw. ain't gonna bring more. Like okay, what, but Porzingis gonna bring talent that can be useful. Like hey, if the I, only I, thing that you're arguing that they that they're going to be missing out on is this emotional center. Where was that when they needed it last year? Where well, was it? I, I, I think they're missing they're missing perimeter defense. They're mi- I mean, I, my my the center again. Concern, I mean, who the one supposed to be doing the perimeter defending? The defensive player of the year who wasn't doing it. He was, I mean, I don't know. I feel, I just, I have, there's so many variables here with this team that the health stuff, all that stuff, there are a lot of, I mean, we could talk about this all day. At the end of the day, you know, in the beginning, the, the story at the beginning was they have to have two top 15 players in their team. And so like, that's, that's really what it is. And so like Porzingis can help whatever, but Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have to be two of the, two of the best players on the court at all times. And they need a point guard. That's yeah. those are like yeah. those those issues are still there. Like those are the same sort of fundamental issues that they had, and they're still and they there. White, yeah. Well, so that and then you know, speaking of, speaking of that, there's also the intangible of like when a white guy puts on a Celtics jersey, he, he got he gets the boost. <laughs> yeah. There's the white I guy mean, Celtics jersey boost. I, so, I thought yeah. about that when I first had the trade, but I mean, I know Porzingis is a white guy, but he's not American white, and culturally. As someone again who's been in DC, <laughs> Porzingis was at the same spots that that Jordan Poole gonna be going to. Porzingis is not gonna <laughs> if they think that they are getting Gordon Hayward, you're not getting Gordon Hayward, Boston. Uh, <laughs> you're getting a guy who grew up watching and one mixtapes in another oh, land. Yeah. Like that is yeah. his cultural influence is uh, is a little cooler than. Uh, I don't know. I know I don't want to disparage Peyton Pritchard, but when I see Peyton Pritchard out there, I'm like, man. That's the That's guy. A Celtic. That's, That's a, a Celtic. Celtic right there. That's a Celtic right there. How did this show that's ironically named debatable really turn into a show where we are really debating? I, I don't know. know. I was just thinking I, that. We're, I've been taking too many. I mean, I was on vacation for too long. I came back fired up. I know. I shouldn't. We're I should getting, work more. We're getting first takey up in this thing. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize to you. Um, give me my check, like, Alabaster. No apologies for you. What's next? I feel like we need awkward tension a little bit right now yeah. to sort of honestly really make this. 
Dominique, you're just missing out. You missed out on the Twitter spaces that happened yesterday where Kevin Durant actually argued with trolls about whether or not he's a top five player in the NBA. You're taking that spirit to debatable. Kevin Durant argue with trolls whether he's... Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Don't do that, it was, Kevin. It was beautiful. It was amazing. So Um, in those, okay, well, I'll have to look into it later because the thing I hate about during those debates is you have to like talk bad about other people. And (laughs) Kevin Durant wasn't out there saying he can't shoot like me, was he? Please, please say no. No, he was just explaining to them his role in in an NBA offense. I hate it. I digress. Uh, Um, All right, let's move on uh, to a couple of other trolls. He is. (laughs) He was. Um, yeah, he was. What's what's more absurd? Next question. What's more absurd? Daryl Morey's asking price for Tobias Harris or Tobias Harris's dad agent saying no one in the NBA can stop his assassin scorer son. Well, I mean, the asking price is more absurd. Like, who's going to be on your side more than your agent? Your dad? <laughs> you multiply. <laughs> what's agent Tom's dad mean? Yeah, it's not absurd that he's going to say something like that. If my uh, son was tall enough and talented enough to be in the NBA, I'd be delusionally confident in his ability too. And it's not as as though Tobias Harris is terrible. He's a really good piece at times that kind of faded and fades through the course of certain games, but faded while he was there. He was more valuable before he got there, I thought, um, or before this team became what it was than he is now. So I don't think that's absurd. Daryl Morey consistently thinking that he can just fleece people is the the crazy part. At some point when you want to move, I think he kind of got lucky with the Harden thing when he was trying to get rid of Ben Simmons. But like we all knew Ben Simmons had to go like the mm-hmm. same way we all knew Jordan Poole had to go. We all knew Ben Simmons had to go. So nobody was going to pay you for a player who seemed to be short-circuiting mentally but looks great. They're not going to pay you the previous price. This is the reverse yesterday's price is not today's price because it's gone down, not up. And I think the same thing has happened for Tobias Harris. Yeah, what does Moore do? Think he's doing trade him to the Wizards? Come on now. Like, what are you going to do here? Not trade him to the Timberwolves. There's There's like at least like 15 competent you know, organizations yeah. out there that, are, but this is the Daryl Morey, like you said, this is the Daryl Morey formula. Yeah. He throws out a trade and he asks for a ridiculous amount, sort of just to almost like to prove to people that he can do it. Like it's, it's just like a, it's an ego type of thing. That's sort of ridiculous. That's not happening. Like the Tobias Harris thing is not happening. Um, trying to get Evan Mobley. Like what are we yeah, doing here? Yeah. Like get, I yeah, wouldn't get do Evan Mobley for Tobias Harris straight up, straight up, <laughs> straight <laughs> he, up and down. That he ain't trying to, he trying to get more pieces like Jared Allen. To, like the, the, the trade is so absurd. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Tobias Harris's dad is like Daryl Moore, his uncle or something. Like, what are you doing? Like, what, how do you think this is possible? I, I have no problem with what his dad said. Like you said, I would be doing the same thing. You know, right. that's your dad, you know, shout out to, are you supposed to? By the way, did you have you seen this the inspirational video of the Thompson twins and like them coming up together? And like, if I was their mom, you would not hear the end of it from me at all times. I'd just be talking cash about how dope my son, my twins are. Can you or, imagine like giving birth and one at one time to the number four and number five? <laughs> just one, just, just one day. You had one day, and you know what you did? You gave the world. Two top five NBA draft picks. That is incredible return on investment. So good job, Dad. Like, I mean. That's just, yeah, that is um, the efficiency there is just through the roof. They I have mean, top, top parental efficiency right there. I'm true, true shooting percentage is just probably 
something that you, <laughs> something that is just you know we haven't we haven't seen the true shooting percentage like the that. The best before. shooter in the league, he better than Steph Curry. It's one person better shooter than Steph Curry. It is the Thompson twins' daddy. Thompson twins' daddy and like Joseph because he didn't even have to take a shot. And <laughs> no, no, we no, 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 <laughs> Joseph, you don't get no credit for that, Joe. You don't get no credit for that, Joe. What was we talking about? Um, dads, black dads. Shout out to black dads. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. shout out. Oh, and yeah, so the ridiculous agent thing, yeah, that's fine. But the Daryl Morey thing, I want this crosses my mind sometimes. It's like Daryl Morey has certainly positioned himself from Sloan to the the big Harden trade, mm. the old school Harden trade, where he went and got Harden mm. off the bench mm. and turned him into a multiple time MVP and turned the Rockets into a legitimate championship contender with only really only one superstar and right. Harden. That was that was a great move. And then the mm. Sloan Conference, his participation in that also. Great stuff. It's turned yeah. him into a celebrity GM, which I think hurts him as an actual GM. Because yeah. it, it looks, it feels, I think it's raised his, uh, his profile amongst media members above the rest of general managers. So right. everyone, when Daryl Morey is doing something, the assumption is that Daryl Morey is going to get you like he got everyone else or like he got uh, OKC for, for Harden. And I think that makes it probably pretty difficult for him to execute these ridiculous trades. Uh, he needs to call Danny Ainge and figure out how, how he continues <laughs> to fleece everybody everywhere he goes all the time. I think Danny Ainge probably got like, he got some ex-CIA members who've going around getting pictures or something. He got... He, he tapping into people's cell phones, getting their illicit text messages. He out here blackmailing people because that's the only way you can explain explain that um that Rudy Gobert trade to me. Dan, Danny Ainge is the definition of stay low and build. He don't say he don't talk trash. He don't do nothing. What Daryl Moore does is he sort of calls his shot before he yeah. makes the trade. He did it with the James Harden thing, and so people sit back and they fold their arms and they say no. I'm not going to deal with this guy because like when he walks in the room, he's already said that he's smarter than me and he's going to try to, you know, screw me out of something. Right. And I think that that creates an adversarial situation. Like you said, he's a celebrity GM. And yeah. so people do not want to see him succeed. They don't want to see him get away, you know, quote unquote, get away with these trades. And so when you go out here and you say, I want to get all of this stuff for Tobias Harris, GMs are going to be like, no, I'm not even coming close to that. And I'm now, I don't, I want to ask for more because I have to win the trade. Like it becomes, it doesn't become about what's actually the best for my team all the time is about, I have to beat Daryl Moore in this trade. Cause it's and the best for never you. Gonna be good you right. know what happens if you lose a trade publicly, then mm -hmm. that hurts. And it, yeah. it hurts your chance of saving, of um, keeping your job because that becomes a part of the perception and the owners are people. As we have seen, they are people and they react to the way that the public talks about you. And so if it is perceived that Daryl Moore got you, which if you make a trade with someone else, it may it's less likely to per be perceived that way. I, I don't know. I, I should probably do some research on this, call some um, some of the beat reporters that I know in the NBA and find out how do GMs actually feel about Daryl Morey? Because I, I mean, uh, I could see it going both ways as he's like a older uh, elder statesman who's been doing this for a while, who looks out for people. But I could also see it being like they think that he get a lot of hype for having won zero championships. Can I, can we one good trade? The, can we go back to the original James Harden trade from OKC and, and revisit the worst take I've ever had in my life? You ready? Oh, no, no, you ready? no. You didn't say it was you a ready? bad idea. Go for it. You ready? Here was my worst take. The OKC Thunder be fine because Kevin Martin is basically going to be James Harden. 
I gotta say, I respect you for bringing that up and saying that. I was I, like, I was like, Kevin Martin, he can score twenty five points off the bench. I'm like, what's same player? No, no problem. That's so that that trade in Alabama. Correct me if I'm wrong. That trade was about saving money from the OKC side, right? More than anything, because and it's just absurd to be that close to a championship with a core that young and that talented and to move because they would put, if I remember correctly, they would put both Durant and Westbrook on the bench and let James Harden run the offense. So like they knew they may not have known that he was going to get to what he got to, but they mm-hmm. knew he was special in like clutch situations. They would take their starting their top two players and sit them down and say, James Harden it's your show to run. So I don't know. And they were within a couple games of a championship. Yeah, it's got to be one of the worst trades in history. And that's why we still talk about Darren Morey to this day, like he's a good GM when he hasn't really produced much. Yeah. And and James Harden had, had just essentially beaten the Spurs for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like James Harden got him in the, in the finals of beating the Spurs for them. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of issues. There's cap situation. There was like, you know, they were going to be um, the cap had shifted a little bit. A couple, I think it was four million dollars that he that was going to send them into another thing and they moved them all that stuff i'm sorry i'm sorry but it just pops into my mind how could you be so like i understand when you're going through a draft you make some bad decisions because you don't have a ton of information Mm -hmm. but what i didn't quite understand and it made sense at the time but it seems so obviously dumb now is if you were going to move one of them you move russ you don't move harden you move Russ. And I guess Russ's like explosiveness was great. His penetration was great, but Harden could penetrate too. It just didn't look the same. But the, we knew back then that the most difficult thing to have in this game was shooting. The most difficult thing mm-hmm. to find was shooting. We knew that then. Maybe a few years before, we weren't clear on that, but we understood that you need to have shooting then. And they got rid of a knockdown shooter who can handle the ball and work well with Durant for a super athlete, which as, as me, a super athlete, I understand, but you, you I, probably wouldn't get that. I yeah, as a, as as somebody who watches super athletes, um, you know, I, you know, I I deadlift. You know, I don't know if you. Oh heard. yeah, I, no, no, I, I see the picks. I see the pushed, picks. I push, I push, I push the sled. I do a little something myself. I don't like to brag about it, but I, I'm rehabilitating myself with my best take. Was back then, 2013, trade Russ for Steph straight up. OKC should have done it. Trade Russ for Steph, Steph straight up, and the internet's was not happy with me. Because he was still had, had his ankle problems at the time. Oh, they were that that. Oh, got you. That I thought you were saying. I thought you were on the other side of that. You were saying that they should have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, be, see, yeah. Yeah. It's it's revisionist history. It feels like Alabaster. I'm sure is um probably chomping at champing at the bit to get on and tell us. Ooh, how, journalism. Yeah. You journalism there. I got the proper grammar. Champing yeah, at the bit. You, you there you we go. Grammar that thing. He chomping and champing at the bit. Yeah to tell us how we all were in love with Russ and he was so great and it was a stupid thing to to consider, but I don't know. He was drafted higher and they respected him more, but we all know that James Harden is better basketball player, right? Harden was the, was the third pick of the draft. He was actually picked higher than Westbrook. Um, Westbrook was, Westbrook was, uh, well, Harden was going to be the second pick, but then he choked like a dog in the tournament should have been, you know, maybe, uh, a precursor of things to come with the playoffs. And then it seemed to beat past him in the draft process. Sorry, Memphis Grizzlies. Um, ironically, OKC could have actually just drafted Steph Curry over James Harden with the right. third Everybody pick in the draft. And that, what is he but that was rumored. That was rumored. No, no. Steph was, I think, was the seventh pick in the draft after Johnny seventh Flynn and after, Rubio. 
after the Minnesota Timberwolves drafted two point guards in front of him. Yeah, no, I not remember. to. Sorry, sorry, Minnesota. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Minnesota, they got to be up there for the most uh, troubled franchises right now. They got to be closing in on it, considering this recent trade, that draft history, their shortcomings in the playoffs, the jumping on the table when they got out of the playing round. Uh, I don't know. Well, the fact they couldn't win with uh, Kevin Garnett. It's got to be up there for one of the most troubled franchises. On on the bright side, on the bright side, they don't have any draft picks in the near future to mess up. So there's Ooh, that. I like that. That's good spin. There you go. Because Rudy Gobert, you don't need draft picks. You got Rudy Gobert. I, I don't want to revisit that, but we all knew that was dumb when it happened. Like Rudy Gobert couldn't get on the floor for his top ranked team in the playoffs. They had to take him off the floor. And then they already had a big man who we all understand does not play like a big man, but they went and got another one. It don't make sense. I'm sorry. We got to check. Let's move on. I'm at least, but at least, at least, at least Rudy Gobert has two important things, petty four and petty five. Anybody <laughs> want some? He going he to sock the blue right there in the face. <laughs> oh gosh. What's up, Elvis? What's next? All right, guys, we got one more. This is a fun one. Um, so the question I have for you on this one is, what's better rookie content? Wemby's photo with the Spurs legend or everything we've gotten from Grady Dick so far? I mean, it's an obvious answer. I'll let you go first so you can say the wrong answer because I know you're going to say the wrong answer, but go right ahead. I'm going to say the wrong answer because I know that you're going to um, enjoy the rest of this. Uh Wimby being tall about around other people is just fascinating. I know Manu Ginobili is 6'6. Six, six. And David he, Manu Ginobili, David Robinson, one of the best centers of all time. And yes. he is barely getting to, to uh Wimby's chin. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like they look like a starting five lineup in the NBA that like feeds the big man, and the big man is Wimby, and everybody's just like runs the perimeter. Yeah. Like that's what they look like. Tim Duncan also uh, coincidentally looks like he runs a paint and sip and just rides his motorcycle to start paint and sip classes. Hold up. I, I would like to discuss who has the, well, that's Sean Elliott. Sean Elliott looks nice. Right. He looks like a, a reasonable, reasonably dressed adult man. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. I guess, I guess uh, Ginobili is there. Yeah, Ginobili's cool. Is it? He got on capris. What's going on down there? Yeah, he got the. He got yeah. He got some capris on. He got Zero on the nineties. The nineties jean shorts. Like what's uh, going? Oh, is that a, a kilt? I can't see. My screen is bad. Y'all gonna have to fill me in. But <laughs> David Robinson also still dressed like his nineteen ninety six. Why are your clothes so baggy? You aren't in jail, sir. Get uh-huh. some clothes that fit. And I mean, Tim Duncan. This is a major upgrade for Tim Duncan. Those boots look like they are the the micro dirty job boots. The uh-huh. boots that yeah. have been in many a sewer. But the sad thing is, this is a major upgrade for Tim Duncan from his playing career. So, Tim Duncan been. looks like he's a he's a, a tenth grade teacher who shows up to class and turns the chair around and is like, <laughs> "What's up, kids? Let's hey talk." There, That's youngsters. what he looks like. I was I was your age once. Right. <laughs> That's right. what he starts it with. Uh, so. I, he said, couldn't ask for better role models. Yeah, you could. You could. You could actually, I mean, maybe on the court you couldn't, but I mean, fashion wise, you could definitely I ask wanna, for some better role models. I want to talk about actually Wimby's fit because he is, it's, it's sports shorts, gym shorts, collared shirt. 
Like he that's was a like, polo, right? yeah, it's a polo shirt. And he was like, it feels like he was wearing a t-shirt and somebody's like, Hey, you know, Spurs culture. And he was like, let me throw on. You know what that, you know what that is? That is if you go, went to a magnet school where uh, you, uh, or yeah, you went to a charter, you went to a charter school, um, <laughs> you in between practice and school. It's like you, you mid change. That's what it is. Right, Char- yes. Charter school uh, between practice and, uh, in school. Five perennial all-stars five hall of famers zero fits zero fits got off. well no 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 sean elliott sean elliott is fine man like he yeah, looks normal he, like he looks he looks normal he looks normal he looks it looks like, like he, he might be wearing I'm, I'm worried if he's wearing some sneakers with the with the with the situation i don't know what the shoe situation is that he's got going on looks uh, like he yeah, might be wearing i can't, some, some I can't tell about the shoes yeah that's that's fair the shoes could be bad but i will say that at least it looks like he knows a tailor he like does. Looks like he knows somebody who 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 get who got him together. Yeah, yeah. You know, they done tailored that thing up. Hold on, we got David Robinson. Looks like he says shoes. David Robinson. Looks like he says, "Hey, young blood." <laughs> no, David Robin looks too old to say, "Hey, young blood." But yeah, the right answer. We spent too much time on them. The right answer is Grady Dick, because like there actually is content. The the um, Wimby content is you look tall. We seen that. Like he's been looking tall for a year now. We've been talking about it. Grady Dick, obviously, the funniest thing was how everyone, so many people fell for the trap that Grady Dick set, where he obviously lo- wore that ridiculous suit in order to yeah. get attention. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, that suit's so ugly. He knew that shit was ugly when he when he bought it. He wasn't, he didn't show up thinking, oh, I'm gonna kill him with this one. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna get y'all attention, and then I will guide you to my Instagram. And no matter whether I can hoop or not, I'm gonna triple my followers. And then here comes all the endorsements. I guarantee you. The only thing drawback is he had to go play in Canada because he yeah. is in any major American city, the white dude that can ball that's also quirky. Oh, the money is flowing in. This is what uh, Boston thinks they're getting with Chris Tapps Porzingis. And <laughs> I don't know if Boston would like him. I, I got to be honest. I'm not sure Boston would like him. See, Boston, the thing about them is they aren't, they are a major city. So, like, um, they aren't, like, hungry. Like, Utah, they might love you even if you stink. Um, OKC might just love you even if you stink. Boston is like, they'll give you a couple extra points because you look like them. But if you're not good, oh. They gonna come for your neck, so I, I think that they might hate him because you think about the like the Boston guy archetype. It uh, ain't it ain't that it ain't that guy. <laughs> it's hard nose. I'll fight you, the street guy. It he is the suit is an homage to Dorothy from yeah. Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. It looks like one of those pillows that you like one way, and it like. The fabric like, goes one way, and then you and you flip it back, and the fabric goes oh, back to a different yeah. color. That's exactly what it looks like. He looked like and um, with, with an aggressive shoulder, with like a massive the shoulders is what got me. That, that made him look like the rapper from a goofy movie. Yes, he looked that's like a, like a power line. Oh, you remember this name? I knew you would remember that name. <laughs> like there's nothing blacker than David Dennis Jr. Remembering no, power, no, line. Power, power line. Tevin Campbell. What? Yeah, I remember as Tevin Campbell played power line. Uh, was he even a rapper or was he uh he was, he was like was a pop music. star? It was all all singing, all singing. Tevin yeah. Campbell with Powerline was just singing, singing the hits, man. I'm sure they passed it too much. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I was right. Thank you for setting us up to Wimby, but also thank you for letting me be right again. No, I was letting I was letting you have it. I was like, we're we're doing debatable. We need to yeah. we need to have a uh work together. I like this teamwork. Yeah. I should take vacations more often. I feel like I was awesome today. <laughs>